this morning we have some uh, special guests, well, guests and, and folks that are familiar faces at the same time um, who are going to be bringing our word. And so I just wanted to go ahead and introduce Ken Connolly, who um, is uh, known by many in our congregation for lots of different things. and particularly his passion for serving and uh, for prison ministry and re-entry work. And can we thank you for serving on our mission committee and all the many ways that you serve throughout our church. And then also we have with us Grace, Grace Kundavantu, who is um, the founder of African Girls Hope Foundation, one of our Faith Promise partners. Yeah. And um, she uh, was with us serving yesterday and is, has, has been uh, a part of our church, now lives in Georgia, but we're so glad, glad to have you back and to share with us this morning. Good morning. I'm Ken Connolly, and I'm not one of the pastors here, but I am married to one. I'm here today with uh, Grace Kudubuntu, and uh, Grace is the founder of the African Girls Hope Foundation and a former resident of the high country. She lived here for about 10 years while working at Samaritan's Purse with the likes of Dale Williams and Travis Critcher and uh, Melissa Strickland, and uh, she worshiped with us in the Crossroads service. Grace and I were invited here today to talk about living out the Great Commission as a part of our mission celebration weekend. So to start us off, Grace will read today's scripture from Matthew chapter 28, verses 16 through 20. Thank you, Ken. And I will read in Jesus' name. Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teach them, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Grace. Living out the Great Commission, what does that look like? The scripture that Grace read is commonly known as the Great Commission. Gospel writer Matthew chose to end his gospel story with Jesus' powerful words and uh, commissioning us to go and to do the things that we learned while following and studying the Master. Grace and I only have a few minutes to share today on the heels of Pastors Ed and Vern's message on this text last Sunday. We're going to testify about how we've seen God's kingdom come into our lives and into the lives of all nations, telling how we, in the words of BUMC's mission statement, are loving our community and inviting all to discover life in Christ. For me, 
all includes men and women who are in prison. I found this mission about 14 years ago. I was wrestling with something that I had read in my morning devotions about how Christ would reveal himself to people who visited him in prison. And while I was thinking about and pondering that story, one of my close friends invited me to join him on a Kairos prison ministry retreat. So hearing my master's voice on the lips of a friend, I agreed to give it a, a try. You know, in the Great Commission and what Grace just read, the scripture says that the disciples came and worshiped Jesus, but some doubted. Well, that was me. I, I had my doubts about the prison ministry. Does Christ really love men and women in prison? Is this ministry worth all the time and money and effort that they're calling for? Is it effective for these men long term? I can tell you after 14 years in this ministry that these men and their families are loved and served by our Lord Jesus Christ. His mission is to save them, to give them hope and a future. It has been my great pleasure to watch him work transforming men and their families while transforming my doubts and fears at the same time. Here's a story to illustrate how Jesus works while we tag along beside him. In a Kairos prison ministry retreat back in West Virginia, Bobby, one of the men who signed up for the retreat, was only there for the food. He had heard of our home-cooked meals and our home-baked cookies, and uh, he had heard about it on the grapevine. It didn't take long for me to figure out that he wasn't interested in anything that we had to say. He sat back from all the table discussions, and he didn't really participate in uh, any of the singing or the other activities that we had. At the end of the retreat, as he was walking out of the gymnasium, I thought to myself, I'll never see him again. I was wrong. About a year later, we came in for another retreat, and this time I was the team leader. It was my job to select one of the former graduates of the Kairos ministry to give his testimony in front of the closing crowd, which at, at that prison uh, included about 200 of his fellow prisoners. In order to, that testimony was to encourage them to become the church inside that prison. I wasn't surprised to see Bobby back in the gym. We were serving food uh, during that retreat. Did I mention he liked food? But I was surprised when Bobby came up to me and asked me if I would consider allowing him to give his testimony at the closing. 
Now, I know Bobby saw the look on my face, and that's why he started to give me his story. He admitted that he really wasn't into our retreat in the last year. However, about six months ago, his father had passed away, and Bobby was devastated. His fellow prisoners, the, the men that lived in, around him and, and saw what he was going through, the church inside that prison formed such a strong community of love and comfort and hope, listening to Bobby, hearing his story, feeling his pain. They got his attention. Their faith, their love made all the difference. Jesus showed up on Bobby's behalf. Grace, will you tell your story? Absolutely. Thank you, Ken. Um, two decades ago, specifically 26, year, 26 years ago, I lived a life of uncertainty. I lived in different refugee camps before I came to America. By the grace of God, I was here through the UN. And when I landed here, I didn't forget where I came from. I vividly still remember the life and experience that I had when I was in Africa, living a life of not knowing what will happen tomorrow, what I will eat tomorrow, if I will go to school, or what I will drink tomorrow. Um, when I came here, it was a blessing for me, and I thank God for my parents who are Christian and missionaries, and uh, I lived in that life of knowing Christ and trusting fully in Jesus and what he can do. So uh, being, when I came here, God reminded me of what he did in my life back in Africa. And I, uh, I kept praying God to show me what I can do. I love the story of um, Thabita in the Bible. That is in Act 9, 36 to 43. It tells us of this woman who was known in her community as a woman of good deeds. He identified the needs in her community and she responded to the needs of her community. She sold clothing, dresses for the widows in her community. And they remembered her because of what she was doing. And she impacted the life of widows. When I came to America, I said, God, I know what you did to me in Africa and my family. And I would like to impact the lives of vulnerable children back home. Being in America, and I thank the, this nation for accepting communities from all over the world. The love that you show us here means a lot. And one of the blessings I received even when I was in, in, in Kenya as a refugee, I could not afford the school fee, but missionaries from this country came to Kenya at the school where I was, and they're the ones who blessed me and covered and paid for my school fee. 
And I couldn't understand how someone who has never met me before and commit to bless me. But it's the love of God that goes beyond. You don't have to know someone to touch or to save a life. So uh, when I started African Gaza Foundation, I remember that I am doing, I'm being a disciple of Christ to respond to the specific need that I went through myself, I experienced, and I know there are more than nine million of girls in Africa who will never attend a classroom. And that's a statistic from the United Nations. Because of what I went through as a refugee and not being able to go to school easily, I felt that need to respond and to help vulnerable girls uh, who are orphaned by war. These girls experienced the, the killing of their parents. I am a survivor of my, the war in my country in Congo. I thank God that God protected my family, but I know friends who lost their families. The Bible tells me in uh, Ephesians 2, 10, it says, for we are God's handwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. And James 1:27 says, religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. And I, I would love to also give Proverbs 19:17 says, whoever is kind to the poor lends to the Lord and he will reward them for what they have done. Isaiah 59:10 said, and if you spend yourselves in behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, then your light will rise in the darkness and your night will become like the noonday. This was encourages me in what I do every day for vulnerable children. We have uh, kids who, are, who came from different countries there in our program, and they were Muslims before. But they need to, they, some of them were from South Sudan, and um, I want to give this story that this girl from South Sudan, uh, she was, the family is not yet fully converted. They were not yet converted. But when we embraced this guy in our program, and we started the mentors, the mentor and counselors, volunteers in our program, they started doing outreach to the families, uh, doing, uh, going to the families and visiting them so that they will know what is the need in this family, know what, uh, how to help this family. And they realized that this family was not yet fully Christ-centered. Uh, and they started sharing the word of God with them. And I would like to celebrate with you that this family, they have come to Christ. They are now going to church. And even when we have uh, our programs and events with these children, we invite the families, we invite the widows, we invite the community 
to be with the children in the event. And that's one of the ways we, we have been sharing the word of God. And we have seen the communities from these children, where they live, changing. We receive messages, emails, with the impact of what the outreach team has been doing. And we are not doing this by ourselves. It's because of what you have been able to, to do as a church. And I, I really appreciate each and every one of, of you, the leadership for standing with missions. It's one of the greatest um, gifts that you, we will always remember as disciples of Christ, shining, going all around the world. Thank you so much, church. Cairo's Prison Ministry and African Girls Hope Foundation are both missions that have been supported by you through your faith promise giving. Time doesn't permit us to talk about all the different missions that you support through your giving and through your serving. We encourage you to just keep on giving, not, not just to keep on giving, but to go, to serve to do the things that you've learned from Jesus. Listen for his voice. Watch how he saves people. Give your time, your money, and your efforts towards building and revealing God's kingdom. Jesus is calling you. I think that was Uncle Sam originally, wasn't it? Jesus is calling you. His kingdom is nearby. He's saving people right in our midst and around the world. Delivering people from demons, from ruin and destruction. How do I know? Listen, if, if you had met Alex three years ago, you would have said, that man has a demon. He had been pumping heroin into his veins for about 10 years. Because his life pain had become so unmanageable, his whole life was caught up in trying to get his next fix. Alex had been in and out of jails and prison throughout the course of his addiction, but his life took a turn when he found himself facing a charge that could put him in federal prison for many years. That's when Alex cried out to Jesus. He sought help from the church and from the community, and he chose a path of recovery. When I first met Alex, who gave me permission to share his story, by the way, and he's watching this, he had been in recovery for several months and had already started a recovery group to help other people who were caught up in addictions. I was in the federal courthouse with Alex in uh, Charlotte when the judge pronounced his sentence. Instead of giving Alex the, the minimum of five years called for by the crime, 
he sentenced him to a maximum of one year because of the great changes that had taken place in his life and all of, the, all of us who stood on his behalf. Alex has been clean now for over three years. He's working on rebuilding his life as a follower of Christ. He plans to train as a recovery peer support specialist. To me, that's just a fancy way of saying that Alex has become a disciple of Jesus Christ who makes disciples and teaches them to walk in his ways. Friends, I'm delighted to announce that this fall, Boone United Methodist Church will be building and equipping a discipleship team that's open to whosoever will and led by the likes of Pastors Vern and Pastor Patty. I don't call her Pastor Patty at home. And <laughs> she says you should. And uh, Brad Farrington and myself and, and several others from the church will be leading the team. And uh, we're following the master's call to follow, go, and do. This fall, this newly revisioned discipleship team will lead a group into Jesus' great commission while joining Jesus on his mission. I encourage you to join. We're not just learning about Jesus and his mission. We're building an everyday missionary community right here and following some well-worn principles that are easy to adopt by all. One of the best ways to discover God's kingdom that's right here in our midst is to search out human need. During the Sunday school hour, our missions committee will hold two different simulation experiences back in the chapel related to poverty and housing, both local and foreign. If you want a real eye-opener about human need among us, please take part in one of these simulations. Listen. Can you hear him calling you? What are you going to do about it? Here's an idea. Follow the master. Watch his kingdom unfold right before your very eyes. Amen.